You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 137. Thomas Miller back again with a continuation of the last podcast. If you caught number 136, the topic was acting as if. We're going to pick up and do a part two on that in this podcast because I just thought of some other things that are noteworthy and driving across the state of Colorado the other day, I queued up and started listening to an old friend, the Science of Getting Rich audio program, which I've talked about on here several times. This is a program that was recorded about 10 years ago by, it came out right after the movie The Secret. So I think, wasn't that 2005, 2006, something like that? Yeah, this came out maybe a year or so after that. And, you know, they cashed in on that, there's no doubt, which is smart marketing because that was like the popular thing going on in this community, really, in this conversation for a couple of years was that movie The Secret. It was like crazy successful. As you go back and listen to it now, it's kind of an old has-been, but back then it was the hot dot. But it's teachings that come from the 1903 book by Wallace Waddles called The Science of Getting Rich. And by the way, I'll just put a parenthesis on this, that I've been approached to, well, it's just a really cool deal about The Science of Getting Rich. And that will unfold over the next couple of months. But it looks like I'm going to have something really cool to tell you guys about related to that book. So just stay tuned for that. We'll tuck it up under the brim of the hat for now and pull it out when the time is right. But it's amazing whenever you encounter timeless wisdom, and I'm thinking even of scriptures, and that could be the Bible, it could be any of the other holy books, the other holy writings, whenever you encounter that level of timeless energy, you can listen or read it once and then come back sometime later, listen and hear it again, and just get it with completely different eyes and ears. Why? Has it changed? No, it's obviously not. It's because you've changed, you've grown, you've developed, you've encountered new victories or challenges in your life. And when you consider these ultra-high-level writings, they stand the test of time, but their depth is so deep that when you reapproach the material, you just get it differently. Well, that's what happened as I was driving through the mountains, listening to Bob Proctor going on about the science of getting rich. So I'd been asked by a listener, and by the way, if you would come join, I've finally got this whole Facebook thing straightened out. I am like, Facebook and I have this love-hate relationship. So the <laughs> reason I'm saying that now is I just spent about almost an hour trying to get a dang picture up on a new group that I'm starting. And I'm like, you know, this just should not be this difficult. But anyway, if you will come on Facebook and find the group, not the page, the group, Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast Listeners, find the group and join it. It's open. So I don't think you have to do anything except just join. You're in. But don't join the page. And I'm not going to go into why, but that's being deleted. Join the group, and there will be some podcast-related posts going on in there weekly. The reason I wanted to get the group set up, not the page, is because I wanted it to be free-flowing dialogue, and in a group, you can initiate the conversation. You don't have to wait on me. Just like this, as an example, somebody emailed, 
before this was all set up, somebody emailed and asked if I would talk about acting as if. And after the last podcast, I had some other thoughts, and they were certainly stimulated by listening to, again, the material that I listened to, Science of Getting Rich, Driving Through the Mountains. The thing that jumped out at me this time is the total vital importance of our thoughts. Our thoughts are like little energy seeds that go out into the universe all the time. And the point from The Science of Getting Rich, which was being elaborated upon, is that from birth, we are programmed, conditioned, set up for, and reinforced to react and respond to the world around us. We live in basically this two-dimensional world. I'm talking about related to reality creating. We have our five senses, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell. And of course, that's what our conscious mind, our ego self, connects with or is comfortable controlling or basing our lives based on our five senses. That's where our comfort zone lies. And if you think about it, that's the world that our parents brought us up in because most parents didn't understand these principles when they were raising us. So what do they say when they put on your coat and send you out to play? Be careful. In essence, what they're teaching our subconscious is be alert to all of the external things going on around you. Watch for the dog. Watch for the cars. Watch for the bully that hides behind the fence. All of that, right? And so they send us out into the world to play, creating that it's an unsafe place. Then we go to school. There's another almost 20 years of conditioning to the world around you. When in school did any of you have a teacher say, close your eyes and imagine a picture in your mind? Hold the thought of that picture for the next 90 days, and chances are it will turn into reality in your life. Did you ever have a teacher tell you that? No, the whole focus was only around the world around you. Even from history to math to science to all of it, it was based on a two-dimensional fixed reality world around you. And so it goes. I mean, let's, you know, bring it up to this past week. You probably got together with a group of friends, went out and had some drinks or some other social activity. And what was the conversation about? It was probably about boys and girls and the news and sports and other things going on around you. The neighbors, the friends, as somebody's doing this. And, you know, it's, it was all based on current reality. In other words, those things going on around you within the perception of your five senses. What it was not about was visualizing outcomes in the future and focusing on them until they manifested. It was not about focusing on realities that you can't see. It was not about scripting and creating and visualizing and imagineering realities that seem even so far away from where you are now that they would be impossible. How would that be for a group conversation up at the uh, local pub on a Friday night? If you're laughing, that's exactly my point. So our entire thought structure becomes acclimated around only that which we can taste, touch, see, hear, and smell. Then as I've been talking about lately, our conscious mind grabs a hold of that reality and starts to spin all of our actions, interpretations, thoughts, being around that. And then you hear the principle being taught in the science of getting rich around that, that those thoughts, those dominant thoughts create our reality. Can you see the gerbil wheel that we get stuck on? 
We are living today based on yesterday's thoughts. Those thoughts become our current five senses and ego self-reality, which then becomes our current thought pattern, which only goes to fuel the outcome that we're getting, which is why we never escape that outcome. I have a doctor who's a good friend of mine, and several years ago we were just pontificating different things about life, and he said, you know, you can look back at about the last 12 to 18 months of your life, and for most people, you can project that forward another 12 to 18 months, and that's the kind of life that you're going to have. So what you've had in the past, you're likely to have in the future. He was saying the same thing, just in a different way. And you know what that was based on? That was based on 20 years of practicing medicine. And he's primary care, so he was seeing people warts and all, you know, all the challenges in their lives, they'd come in to get medicated, and you know, waxing philosophical, he was just saying, you know, life never really changes for most people. Well, enter the material from the science of getting rich, and all of these other sources, I mean, this isn't anything different than Fred Dodson says, or Greg Braden, or Wayne Dyer, or Esther Hicks, or any of it. This is, in essence, how the universe works. What you hold as your predominant thought creates tomorrow's reality. And as Bob Proctor was saying, don't hold any kind of thought in your consciousness at all that is in any way contrary to what outcome you want in the future. So how do you act as if? Well, <laughs> to some degree, you become a freak of nature in modern society because you really do have to go against the grain. You have to disavow those group conversations over drinks where people are talking about the limitations of the physical now. You have to transcend the five senses. You have to go into a world of imagineering where you create things that don't exist now, but you start to live as though they did exist in your life, even if it's just playing playing like a little child would have his little toys, but playing in a world of imagination where it all seemed real. And the more emotional you can become about that play, then the wider the doors begin to open. I want to illustrate this by uh, pointing to the teacher himself. Not Wallace Waddles, but Bob Proctor. I continue to be captivated by him because, as best I can diagnose, he has really done it well. I recently encountered somebody who worked with him during that period, right there that we're talking about, the mid to, mid to late 2000s. She was invited to his home, did some extensive one-on-one -on -one work with him, and validated that he was who he appears to be in person. And his work had a profound impact on her life. I personally have a little bit of a challenge with his pricing, but that's just me, and that probably comes from some of my context of knowing what it was like to be down and really wanting to make material like this as readily available as possible and then trusting the universe for the financial supply. But nonetheless, that aside, Bob Proctor, in about 2008 or 9, had a heart valve replacement. I have another friend in Texas who just had that procedure, and I'm telling you, that is a butt-kicking procedure. There is nothing casual or routine about it. And everything leading up to it, what happens in your body leading up to it, and then particularly the rebuilding after it, can really take you down. Now, I've been watching some of Bob Proctor's latest material. And here in early 2018, I believe he's 83 and about a half, still doing seminars, still jumping up the stairs to get on the stage like he was 
30, 40 years his junior, he looks fantastic. In fact, if you compare some of the videos today of him 10 years ago, you'll notice a stark difference. He didn't look so good back then. He was pale. He looked tired. He looked like he was on a decline. And he was. His heart was not beating properly, and he wasn't getting the right blood flow because a valve was leaking. And having had a little heart issue myself, I can totally relate to the severity of this. Those of you who have had such things know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, there's just no feeling this body can experience, but that your heart is not supporting everything at 100%. And there's nothing you can do about it. And of course, the life of the body is in the blood, and the heart provides the blood to the body. And when the heart isn't pumping blood efficiently to the body, every organ is affected from your head to your toes. So knowing what Bob Proctor was like physically, during that time of his valve replacement. My friend working with him during that time and how she said he went through that time. And now looking at him today, nearly 10 years later, I don't attribute his ability to jump up the stairs to the wonderful prowess of amazing heart surgeons. I'm sorry, I just don't. I mean, he had a good mechanic, that's obvious, but I don't attribute his status today at 83 to that, I attribute it to what he envisioned he would look like over the next 10 years, 20 years, and beyond. I mean, maybe he wants to live to be 100. But in listening to him again the other day, it became vividly clear that how you think is the reality that you will get. And just like my friend said, he really does practice what he preaches. All right, so play this out. Here's a guy in his mid-70s who's told that he has to have a valve replacement. You're sitting in the doctor's office. You are totally consumed in that moment by the reality around you. A lot of people at that point would start to think about, now I better tighten things up and button things up and let's have a big family meeting before I go into this procedure because this could be it. And even if I get off the table, then I'm going to have to live some kind of reduced lifestyle to the recliner chair. I won't be able to do the activities I used to do. I'll have to cut back. I'll have to watch my diet better. I'll have to uh, do some moderate exercise. Probably have to cut back on travel. But you see how the mind could immediately kick into gear and start creating all these scenarios based on this news that you've been told. But here's a guy who's been practicing this, exercising this mental visual muscle for half a century, and he probably didn't even listen to what the doctors were saying. Okay, he acknowledged he has to have a procedure. I would imagine that he started to think about that instantly, that he was going to be fine through the procedure and had or held no other thought likewise. I mean nothing. Nothing about, oh, I might not get up off the table. You know how we tend to make these little casual, uh, snide in passing type remarks, like getting ready for a procedure like that, and I'm sure his wife was there and Typically, we might do something like hold her hand just before the anesthesiologist loads us up and say something like, well, honey, I hope I'll see you here in a couple hours. You do that in jest. You do that teasing or trying to be funny or light. But there's nothing light or funny about that because that embedded thought is in our consciousness. But instead, he would have been de absolutely deliberate about no other conversation but that this surgery was going to be a success and that he was going to have a remarkable recovery and that he was going to be far healthier with this new valve than he ever was with the old one. Why do I say that? 
because that's evidenced in his life right now. You can just look at the videos. I don't know the man. I've never spoken to him. I've never been to a live event. But you can see it from the current videos. And I can tell you, as a heart patient, that can only come from the reality that he is creating in his mind, the thoughts that he is holding constantly. And he's well-practiced enough at this that you could throw a heart valve operation at him, and it didn't phase him. And that was when, driving through the mountains, listening to his voice from back then, that I really got the reality of the thoughts that we hold, the visions that we hold in our mind, do indeed unfold. So in the acting-as-if context, you would have to go back through all of your thoughts and purge anything that is not in alignment with what you want. No kidding, no fooling, no casual conversation around drinks. You have to only focus on those things that you want in your life to unfold in the future. No exceptions. End of story. Period. Thank you for listening. (laughs) I'm kidding on that one, but you get the point. Our thoughts control our outcome. And this is why in The Science of Getting Rich, Wallace Waddles said, that holding sustained thought toward one's objective is the most difficult thing that we can do in this game of reality creation or manifesting or whatever term you want to give it. It really is how this universe works. And if you've been programmed with a bunch of manure, like I was, in your childhood, then you've got a lot of work to do. I'm sorry, there's not a drive through shortcut for this one. You've got to roll up your sleeves, dig all of that negative stuff out, and fill the bucket back up with only that which is positive, that which supports the direction that you want to go in your life. I hope that that's been helpful. I hope that that emphasizes the point. I hope that it really gets it across, because that was the intention. Don't be casual with this. Don't be flippant. That flippancy is coming from past programming. And don't leave any back doors open. Yeah, I'd like for this or that, but in case it doesn't happen, I'm going to, you know, put a little smirk out there just to make sure that I got a back door. That the ego is vindicated when it doesn't work out that way. See, that's the cocktail party conversation. And that is not how this stuff works. So if you've been trying it and something hasn't shown up yet, This is the place to look. Look at how you're managing your thoughts. Capture every one of them and discard any thinking that is not along the lines of what you want. And that's how you act as if. Because if you only look around you, you see your current reality. You have to see beyond that. You have to have the eyes of a child. You have to look at the invisible. I hope this helps. I'm getting ready to go on a hike. You enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner.
The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.